SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant and Google and Fupi with you on the Market Update this Friday. First up, as always, Google has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Well, the government wants to hold construction company bosses personally liable if their firms are found guilty of bid rigging, corruption, collusion and price fixing by making them sign binding contracts. Economic Development Minister Ibrahim Patel says because of rampant collusion, which has rocked the industry in the recent past, the Competition Commission has received more than 400 confessions. Just over 10 billion rand was lost in gold and platinum production during the mining sector stoppages in the 2012 and 2013 financial year. An additional 180 million rand was lost in coal production during the same period. This is according to the South African Institute of Race Relations using calculations by the National Treasury on the cost to the South African economy of the mining sector strikes. Still on mining though, the CEOs of platinum mining firms will meet the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, referred to as AMCU, next week to discuss a proposed centralized bargaining structure. AMCU signaled its unwillingness to participate in such a structure in an open letter to the Chamber of Mines two weeks ago. Turning to the markets now, the JSEO share index is closed in negative territory, down by 1.2% at 38,630 points. The rand's at 8.98 to the US dollar, 13.75 to the pound and 11.74 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,501 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $101 and the platinum price at $1,488. Thanks, Google. Seven minutes after six, Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth. Our market watcher this Friday evening. Wayne, market down by one and a quarter percent, thirty-eight thousand six hundred and thirty. Real action though is in gold shares. Gold shares down four point four four percent. The gold price is down about four percent, at just above a thousand five hundred dollars an ounce. Now gold has been gold has been falling for a while. You know, as the as the news out of the world has got better, the gold price has fallen, and that's quite normal. The big scare today was. The almost almost confirmation that Cyprus is going to have to sell some of their gold reserves, and that scared the market. But it hasn't changed the trend. The trend has been down for as you know for a sustained time period. Pleasingly, though, uh, oil also coming off. Oil yes. down four percent. The rand dollar slightly weaker, which uh, suggests that we might see some relief uh, in the petrol price in the months ahead. Yeah, well, everything being equal, we will see uh, a petrol price, a small one, to compensate for the massive increases mm. that we've seen. But at least we will see something coming through, yes. Well, no major moves on the uh, stocks front with regard to new 52-week highs or lows, but Comair has been uh, climbing fairly strongly over the last couple of days, uh, I'm sure understandably so, given the fact that it's the only listed uh, airline on the JSC now after one time uh, got liquidated. Yeah, look, one time has been one time liquidation has benefited all of the the, the the other airline companies simply because they're getting better utilisation. But the airline, the, the low cost airline industry, and the airline industry in general, this is a very very competitive and very difficult industry to make money in. So I've never really liked um, the low cost in the, the the airlines. It's just so difficult to make money. As far as uh, company news is concerned, Oceana, the fishing company, perhaps uh, best known for its Lucky Star, Pultured's brand, they're expecting earnings up between 40 or 45%. A fairly significant jump there for a company and a sector which has really struggled. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's also one of these, you know, very dependent on so many variables, weather, catch, licenses, and it is a cyclical food producer. So, very difficult industry, but... 
this was a good set of results, and I think that the share price has gone up about 1% today. And this has actually been a reasonably good performer over the last four or five years, despite the industry that it's in. It's gone from, you know, 10 rand 10 years ago to eight, to, uh, to, um, to 80 rand. So it's actually been a reasonably good, almost 80 rand, a reasonably good performer over the time period. So, um, but it's not a very big trade. It's also, it's also on a fairly steep multiple, PE oh, no, yeah. of close to 20. Yeah, that's no, a big PE we got here, yes. On to another company now, when technology firm Altron and its subsidiary Altec expecting headline earnings to decline by as much as 27%, given the fact that it's also sold off its East and West African operations, which have been pulling it down for quite a while. Yes, but I mean, to be honest, uh, bad news out of Altron is not new news. I mean, the share process hasn't done well. They've, they've been very, very unsuccessful in a lot of expansion plans um, over, over the time period. So the share price has almost halved in the last three, three four years. But on technology firms, it seems as though they have uh, lots of pro- they face large problems when they uh, move out into the African continent. Yeah. We know what happened to Telcom uh, when it, it entered the Nigerian market with yeah. Multilinks, and now Altron is a such similar situation. It seems as though if you're not a mobile operator like MTN, yeah, it's, it's, difficult. it's very tricky. No, it is very difficult, in fact, yes. Wayne, we'll hear from Peter Major in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, the reports overnight that government have rejected the uh, the proposal by Anglo Gold Ashanti to split that company into two. There is obviously a precedent given that Goldfields Good. did a very similar thing earlier this year. Uh, we have John Paulson, uh, the famous hedge fund manager in the U.S., being the single largest shareholder in Anglo Gold Ashanti, owns 7.5% of the company. Alan Gray is right up there with over 5%. Investec Asset Management also over 5%. The PIC, basically the government pension fund, is up, uh, is also got 5% stake in that company. To what extent do you think these uh, institutional investors are, are pushing the company to perhaps think about unbundling? Uh, it could easily be. I, I actually don't know. But you must look at the reason why this is done. This is not a comment on South African government or policies or unrest or anything. It's simply a comment on the South African assets are in terminal decline. There's no, there's very little gold there. It's very deep. There's a very low grade per ton, and it costs you a lot of money to get it out the ground. So what's happening is there's a, let's call it a declining asset as part of a whole group of assets. Now, that, that declining asset is detracting value from the other good assets or the assets where the gold is better, where the costs are lower. And as a whole, shareholders get less value. So if you unbundle the South African assets from the other assets, the shareholders in total might get some better value out of this holding. But, I mean, but of course, it will be interpreted as a vote against South Africa. It's not. It's a vote against the South African gold in the ground, the gold ore. We've been mining gold here for how many decades, hundreds of years. There's just not that much good quality gold left that you can mine at a profitable price. Well, let's take a look at industrial groups uh, now, Bidvest, which uh, will undertake or rather own completely amalgamated appliances, which uh, produces products like Russell Hobbs as well as Sultan. Mm. This deal uh, just has to go through some final considerations, but in a nutshell, it's complete. Yes. I guess this one isn't too hostile, hey? No, this, is, this isn't too hostile at, at, at all, so, but we'll have to see what happens with the Adcocks as well. Now, today, in, in, a, in a relatively poor day in the market, Bidvest did okay. I mean, Bidvest is a good quality blue chip that's not outrageously expensive, that uh, is opportuni- opportunistic, but that is the, what capitalism is all about, and seems to be doing reasonably well 
with uh, a couple of takeovers at an opportune time or potential takeovers at an opportune time. Well, we are taking your questions on the market update. 34701 on the SMS line. That's 34701 on the SMS line. Use the keyword market and uh, we'll get those through. Uh, we'll get through one or two of those uh, this evening. Those do cost two rand per SMS. 34701 with the keyword market. Google, you've got a question from uh, last night. Yes, I do. It's with regard to investing. Uh, Rich Masete, who actually sent us an email or an SMS to us today, uh, said that he has 500 rand a month available for the next five to ten years to invest. Where should he consider putting his money in, Wayne? As long as it is five to ten years and there's not going to be a call on the money in six months' time or two years' time, you must go into the equity market. If this is what you're starting with at 500 a month, buy some uh, some indexes. You know, just go and get uh, the all share or the top 40 index. And then when you build up a little bit of a kitty, four, five, eight, whatever thousand rand, then you can look at some diversification where you start, after appropriate research, start selecting some shares and, and trying that. Way. But to that amount of money, just buy, just buy the index. And that would be through, through an ETF? Yes. yes. Through something like Satrix or one of yep. the apps at ETFs? Correct. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, news from uh, Newswire Service Bloomberg at Anglo Gold Ashanti, the world's third biggest gold producer, has had a proposal to split its South African assets from mines elsewhere in the world, rebuffed by government. This obviously follows the unbundling by goldfields uh, of its South African assets into the separate uh, Sibanya Gold listing earlier this year. Peter Major, mining consultant at KD's Corporate Solutions, joins us now. Peter, no doubt you're not surprised by this approach that Anglo Gold Ashanti has made to government, given that on one hand you've got investors looking at uh, the share price performance of Anglo Gold Ashanti. You've no doubt also got executives looking over their shoulder at that, air, at, at that share price too. Yeah, we do. And it's not a joke when you ask who's running the mines because there's probably more parties giving input into these these mining companies than I think I've ever seen, and I'm 58 years old. Because, first of all, government is playing a bigger role in mining in this country than it's ever played. Second of all, the workers are definitely playing a bigger role than they've ever played. Um, the unions, they're playing a little smaller role than they used to, but it's still very, very large. And the people with definitely the reduced role to play seem to be mine management because now shareholders are saying guys you have a job because of us you have a company because of us where's our rewards you know some of these companies are making tens of billions of rands you can even say a billion or two dollars in revenue and, and if dividends aren't even two percent and that's two percent of earnings mm-hmm. well it, it well Let's say it's more than 2% of earnings, but it just, it's gone so far off what is fair that the, the providers of capital are getting so little. So yes, they're going to start exercising their rights, their shareholder rights. And then when you see the, the price of angle of gold has fallen from maybe $50 to barely $20 in just a year, year and a half, and then, and then what's gold price fallen? Maybe 10, 15%. We have to say, what do we have to do different in order to to get a more fair reflection of what the value of this company is? You mentioned the the Subanya unbundling from Goldfields, and, and no doubt Goldfields retaining uh, the fact that Goldfields retained that South Deep uh, asset in uh, its uh, listing, no doubt uh, smoothed things over um, as far as 
government's approval uh, was concerned. When it comes to Anglo-Gold Ashanti, though, is this a South Africa and everything else uh, question, or is this perhaps an Africa and everything else question? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we have seen trouble with buried gold in Tanzania, and they're battling to sell it. And and they did unbundle it, and the share price has gone way down. But that that will make the other Barrick confident that they did the right thing because they can say, well, it's gone down on its own, but that meant it was dragging our overall company down. Um, th- this problem with Goldfield Strike in Ghana, it shows it's not just South Africa that has illegal industrial action strikes. Um, it shows the rest of Africa. So we could say, gee, maybe we should have um, an African angle gold and a non-African angle gold. But there's trouble in South America as well. Australia's been a little bit quiet for a while. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's a lot of ways of approaching this. I've heard that they've done the exercise and they've looked at the various unbundlings, but I haven't heard which one they've decided on. But we do know South Africa is about 45 50% of the earnings in NAV of Angle Gold. So if I'm just taking stabs in the air, I'd say right now it looks like you have a South African division and then you have a non-South African division. But they may end up saying, we want all of Africa together and we want the non-Africa in a separate one. Peter, government obviously viewing this potential split as as very negative. Uh, There are fears that perhaps if Anglo-Golishanti does split into two divisions, uh, we might see investors fleeing. What does the precedent of uh, Sibanya's unbundling from Goldfield show us to date? I think these government comments are total nonsense. They're uncalled for. They're not factual. They're total nonsense. The whole world was very happy with gold shares in this country when there were sanctions on this country in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s because these were the best-performing gold shares on the planet. They were mainly the only gold shares for a long time, but they generated continual wealth, continual earnings. Almost all pension funds had these gold shares in them for decades, and and that was very important. That was a sign that they generated increasing wealth. Now, why should this government not want to have separately listed South African shares. What have, what have they got to hide? I, I keep thinking, are these the same guys that brought us the secrecy bill? Why do we need a bill about secrecy? What are they trying to hide? I, I would think this is the, the showcase time. And you mentioned Sabanya. Look how well Sabanya has performed. There were a lot of analysts saying this thing is going to be worth four or five bucks, and that's what it's going to trade at shortly after listing. This gold share has held up very, very well. So, if government would get rid of this knee-jerk reaction that anything a big company does, especially an international company, is bad for them, they always say they're free market. Well, why don't we let the free market decide the value of these companies? I'm for it, and I'm, I'm betting almost every investor is for it. And we say we're a capitalist society, so doesn't the investor count for something? Peter, are foreigners dumping Sabanya? I've heard the foreign shareholding of Sabanya has hit a low of, 3% less than what it was when it was unbundled. Now, that was about 10 days ago. But I'm very willing to put money on with anybody that at the end of May, Sabanya has a higher foreign shareholding than on the day they got unbundled. And that's a, a pretty loud, good message, I think.
In, in terms of the timing of this, Peter, obviously we know Mark Rifani, the uh, previous chief executive of Anglo Gold Ashanti, has moved across to Anglo American. Right now, the company doesn't have a chief executive. There are two acting chief executives. It's a bit of a catch-22. Uh, you kind of want to do the unbundling if you do decide that route, but you don't necessarily want to do it before and you guys had a chance to look at it. You also don't want to hire a new guy and then kind of force him to deal with a decision that the board's already made previously. Yeah, I, you're spot on, Hilton. And I think there's no rush here. I think they'll wait at least until the end of the year. And there's many good reasons for that. The biggest reason is, as you said, you've got a new CEO. Let him come in, get a feel for the lay of land, and maybe he's an internal appointment as well, but he still needs a few months to settle in. And as important, you'll see how the Sabanya and Goldfields have performed. And towards the end of the year, hopefully we've been through a couple small cycles of gold price going up, gold price coming down. So the whole world's going to have a good idea of how Sabanya's performed and how the, the rest of the rumps performed. And then I think Angle Gold will feel very a lot more confident making a decision. Hey, is it in our interest? Is this going to increase the value for shareholders? Is it going to make it a bigger, a better company, more efficient, or should we just leave it bundled together? And commercial reasons will make that decision, not government. Peter, it's an absolute pleasure. Peter Major is mining consultant at Katie's. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, SARS has renewed its efforts in targeting high net worth individuals. There are 2,300 of them in South Africa. In fact, Commissioner Opa Mahashula told us just two weeks ago on the market update that SARS had done thorough audits of 62 individuals last year. This year, it says it wants to audit at least half of the remaining taxpayers it has identified for full-scale audits at the high net worth uh, individual level. Investigative journalist Tony Beamish joins us now. Tony, one of those high net worth individuals which has uh, attracted particular attention from SARS is Barry Tannenbaum, the alleged 12.5 billion rand Ponzi scheme mastermind. He fled the country for Australia in uh, halfway through 2007 and is currently living with his wife at uh, Runaway Bay on Queensland's Gold Coast. Runaway Bay, you probably couldn't make this up if you tried. I'm trying. I, I'll let you know in a week or two or three whether he, in fact, uh, named the town himself. I'm not sure, but, uh, but in, indeed it's quite an interesting name, Hilton, and it, it's uh, fascinating how they've uh, tackled Mr. Tannenbaum's tax assessment, and I think it, it gives us a clear indication how they will deal with, with everyone else. So it's useful in that sense for us to study and for uh, people to know about because I'm sure that they'll put the same amount of effort into doing the tax assessments of other high net worth individuals whom they can get in their net. Just looking at, at what the task teams found, this is a task team that, uh, as you say, has, has spent a, a fair amount of time uh, and effort uh, assessing the tax liabilities of Barry Tannenbaum. They spent well over two years on this assessment. What did they discover? It was a, uh, a multidisciplinary task team, and uh, what they did is they uh, did what all good investigators would do first. They looked for assets. They didn't find uh, too much. It seems to me the primary assets in his estate are, of course, monies owed by people that uh, repaid from the scheme. They then proceeded to 
look at his living expenses, which are somewhat breathtaking if you look at the actual figures. Then, more interestingly, because it involves uh, Dean Rees and Daryl Lee, they looked at payments to related entities. And uh, I might point out those weren't just South African-related entities. They were Australian-related entities as well, a trust, a partnership, and uh, four or five companies. Very intricate uh, web of, of accounts and transfers. You pointed out in the, in the story, which is on moneyweb.co.za uh, today, that uh, SARS identified 26 bank accounts being used either by Tannenbaum or on behalf of him. In terms of the uh, tax assessment itself, what, what did SARS discover and how did the assessment for tax uh, balloon to an amount, an extraordinary amount? This is three quarters of a billion rand. Hilton, it's, uh, of, of course, when the tax man tells us we owe a thousand rand, if we don't pay it, that they hit us with interest and then they hit us with penalties. But if you don't tell the tax man that you owe him a thousand rand, he comes along and says, listen, you know, it's not only the thousand rand, it's 200% on that, and then they find a few other uh, hidden corners of the tax law where they uh, rake up a few more, such as, in Tannenbaum's case, uh, they're looking for 179 million rand in interest on the under-declaration of provisional tax which is it's, it's startling. Just looking at uh, the future uh, as to what SARS might be doing with other high net worth individuals, as you say, uh, this, this specific investigation gives us some clue as to the extent that SARS will investigate thoroughly, uh, to the extent to which SARS will penalize uh, high net worth individuals who don't declare the full extent of their income. Can we expect this uh, from where you're sitting? Can we expect this kind of investigation to be done on other high net worth individuals? Hilton, I believe we can. I uh, spoke in the week to a uh, tax consultant, uh, someone who consults frequently to South African Revenue Services, and their attitude is this. They say, firstly, they're going to do the assessment, and they're going to tax you to the, to the absolute nth degree, and whether or not you can pay it is a secondary inquiry. So coming to SARS and say, listen, I've got no money, it's all in my wife's name or my children's name, and I've, and I've only worth 100,000 rand, here it is. They're going to say, no problem. We're doing our assessment. After that, we're going to pierce the corporate veil and look in every single possible way to recover from you or those who are holding your money, whatever we can. And uh, I understand they're pretty serious about it. Uh, we don't know at this stage about Mr. Tannenbaum. I mean, it's reported that he's sitting on on a lot of money, but uh, we don't know that for a fact at this stage. But uh, certainly, as I pointed out in the story, those that are repaying the liquidators can take solace in the fact that it's not, it's not all going to greedy or hungry lawyers and liquidators. It is, in fact, going back to the fiscus. That's Tony Beamish, the investigative journalist, uh, and no comment was provided or available from SARS. as a matter of policy, do not comment on the affairs of individual taxpayers. Also, no comments forthcoming from KPMG for the liquidators or indeed from Barry Tannenbaum himself. That story, Barry Tannenbaum owes SARS almost 748 million rand. The top red story on moneyweb.co.za today. That is still on the website. Uh, Wayne, as I said to uh, Tony earlier, you probably couldn't make this up. Barry Tannenbaum is currently residing with his wife in a town called Runaway Bay <laughs> in Queensland, Australia. Yeah. That sounds like just the sort of spot he should be in, yeah. Just uh, looking at the high net worth individuals part of things, 2,300 of them, SARS has already done a full audit of 60-odd 
of these people. Yeah. They've got another group of uh, a couple of hundred that they've targeted and mm-hmm. identified as uh, individuals who need a full, thorough audit. Yeah. And I guess if you're one of those people, you definitely do not want any of those inspectors to be digging around in your affairs. Yeah, look, I mean, the overwhelming majority of people are honest, law-abiding citizens who use the tax laws as given by the government in the country to structure their tax affairs in the most appropriate way, and they have got very high-qualified tax advisors that help them do it. So very, very few of them are cheats, but do a lot of them use tax planning? Yes, they do, but you're allowed to. It's lawful. So you'll see whether the rule of law applies or not. Of course, there will be a few high-profile cases where where what they're doing is not lawful, But um, SARS is looking at all of these so-called aggressive structuring. Now, can you be aggressive and still stay in the law? We'll find out. Well, it was a day where the JSE ended down 1.22%, 38,630 gold shares down 4%. The gold price uh, still above $1,500. It's, in fact, gone all the way up to 1508, still down over 3%, though. Rand is at 894 to the dollar. For full podcasts and transcripts of tonight's show will be available.